Well, it is good to be back with you guys. Uh, it's been a little while. I didn't teach over the summer, or at least not very much. And uh, the other guys kind of carried the load through the book of Titus, and that was sweet. We ended that last week. And that was just a really helpful, really helpful summer. But it is hard to believe that, that uh, most of the Boundless group is going to be back in town next Sunday. So a number of you stayed. I think I was talking with Jacob. Jacob was saying that there's a huge group that had stayed over the summer that he wasn't aware of. I think we had like 50 of you that were here. Some of you decided not to go back home and to live here over the summer. So I had to call your moms and apologize. Just kidding. Didn't do that. But anyway, you stayed. It was sweet. Um, but a number of you have just gotten back, uh, either this week or, or, um, or last week. And uh, even today, we have a few brand new folks with us, so welcome. If this is your first Sunday, my name is Clay. Uh, I'm one of the pastors at Timberlake, and we'll give you a more formal introduction next week um, when everybody comes we have new folks. Well, speaking of new people, uh, we're about to start a new academic year, as Rich has said. And every fall... Uh, we invariably get an influx of new souls at our church. It's a part of God's providential setup of Timberlake right here in the back, backyard of Liberty University. Some people that come to us are freshmen. Uh, some are transfer students. they got a few miles in their tires. Uh, some are just trying a new church. Maybe they've been here for a while, but um, fall is a good time to try a new church. And like Rich said just a few minutes ago, uh, when you attend a new church for the first time, it's a pretty intimidating thing. How many of you have had to join a church or attend a new church in the last three years? Raise your hand. Raise a high. Yeah, so a good, a good number of you. That's a pretty recent, recent experience. Everybody's new. Nobody knows you. You don't know anybody, typically. Nobody. Well, you're hoping somebody talks to you, right? But for us, the, the members of Timberlake, this... This season, this fall season, is an incredible responsibility. It's a responsibility we have. Every fall, the Lord himself sends us new souls who are in various places spiritually. They're all going to need shepherding, just like you and I need shepherding. They need friendships. They need to learn what a healthy church is, what it looks like, what it it means to be part of one, why they must be part of one. They need to grow up in the faith. They need to get sucked into our discipleship culture. And some of them will even need to come to know Christ for the very first time. It's a tremendous privilege when God brings us souls. And so we want to steward that well. So how so, Clay? How do we steward this well? Well, Rich already kind of stole my thunder a bit in in the opening. I'm just kidding. We want to be hospitable. Christ wants us to interact with these new people, these, these Christians that we don't know, in a hospitable way. That's, the, I think, the word that, that Christ would have for us this morning. Hospitality. And notice, as I'm talking about this, I, I'm saying us. He wants us to be hospitable. And when I say us, I'm not talking about me and Rich or the Boundless Leaders. I'm talking about all of us. Christ expects each one of us to participate in this ministry. Many of you have experienced this kind of hospitality here. Praise God. If you haven't, come talk to me. You can come over today. Um, You have a template. You have a template. You have a category for this kind of hospitality. You've been welcomed in. You've been received. You've been loved. You've been cared for. Not perfectly, 
But we're trying. You've come to our homes. You've sat around our table. We've talked. There's been fellowship. You've tasted it, and, you've trans- and, it's, and Lord willing, it's transformed you as a result. But now it's time to continue to pay that forward. Right? So what I want to do this morning for us is to really prepare us. I want to unpack this idea of biblical hospitality just a little bit and then apply it directly to our situation here in Boundless. I want to prepare us to be as hospitable as we can be to the visitors over the next uh, few weeks, especially, uh, obviously year-round. We're not just trying to put on a show these first two weeks, but we have, a, we have an opportunity these, these next two weeks. So today we're going to ask and answer four questions about biblical hospitality. Pretty simple. All right, so four questions, if you're taking notes, four questions about biblical hospitality. And the first question, which is where we always want to start in these kinds of topical studies, is what is hospitality? What are we talking about? What exactly is hospitality? What do you think? How would you answer that? Okay, generous, open with your home, with the things you own. Yeah, I think many of us, like you, when we hear that word, when we hear hospitality, we think of, of someone's home, associated with the home, and rightly so. Big, and typically we think big events at a home, right? A lot of people over, hanging out. And, and that's, that's for good reason. That's not wrong that we think that way. Hospitable folks, people that are hospitable, usually welcome people into their homes. They share their resources, like you said. But sometimes I think we reduce hospitality to an external action. Okay? And I don't want us to do that this morning because most of you don't have homes. Right? I think we reduce hospitality to an external action. And, and we often think that it requires us to have a home in order to be hospitable. But I don't think that's the case. Like we said, having a home is, is especially helpful um, I'm not saying that it's, it's not helpful. That's definitely helpful. But it's not at the core of hospitality. You can be hospitable without a, a, a place to stay or uh, very many resources at all. How so? Well, fundamentally, hospitable actions, these actions of hospitality, they flow from a heart attitude, a heart attitude that's open toward other people. Does that make sense? The, the kind of things we think about when we talk about hospitality, the opening of home, those things that flows out of, ought to flow out of a heart attitude that is fundamentally open toward other people. Open love is what I like to call this hospitable attitude. Open love. And I'm drawing that from the, from the term itself. It's a compound word from love and stranger, what it appears to be a compound word, from love and stranger, and so you may have heard this referred to as the love of strangers. Hospitality referred to as the love of strangers. It's pretty helpful. In the New Testament, if you just took a survey of this term, you would see it's used in context of, of opening yourself up in love to those that you don't know. And especially other Christians you don't know. Or at least you don't know very well. Maybe those in your church you don't know very well. It has the idea of welcoming people as guests. We could even say as honored guests. 
even those that are unfamiliar to you, people you don't know very well. And if your heart, if your heart is full of open love toward other people, then it will express itself in action, won't it? Does that make sense? If your heart's open toward folks because of what's happened to you, we're going to talk about that, but if your heart is open, then it's going to flow out in action. This attitude has obvious, tangible expressions that we've come to associate with being hospitable. Expressions like providing meals or places to stay, even meeting needs of people you don't know that well. As we're going to see today, even all the way down to just saying hello and greeting somebody. So when I'm using this word hospitality in our context for boundless, when I'm saying this today, I'm talking about warmly receiving new attenders and treating them like our honored guests. I'm talking about warmly receiving new attenders and treating them as as guests of honor at at TBC. It looks like taking initiative to meet these folks and getting to know them. It looks like finding ways to practically fold them into your lives as you can. You can't do it with everybody, but I'm saying as you can. It looks like seeking to meet their needs, again, as you can. And ultimately, it looks like influencing them toward greater Christ-likeness or connecting them with someone who can. That's what open love looks like or ought to look like um, in our group. Now, as I'm, as I'm getting into this, as we're answering this question, what is hospitality? I, I kind of feel a little bit embarrassed that I'm talking about this because so many of you do this so well. Um, this is something that is it's one of my favorite things to watch in action as your pastor. Um, you ask great questions. You open yourself up to new people. Um, even over the summer, I was just watching this happen. As you, people would invite friends, and they would come into our, our events and just see how people would be so well-received. Um, so don't hear this as like, you guys are like in cloisters. You know? That's not what I'm saying. This is an encouragement. But I do want to say on the front end, as your pastor, we, we've got to be vigilant here, always vigilant in this area, that we're remaining open to people. Satan's always on the prowl, and he's trying to divide us. And there's nothing more that he would like to do in our church, and in Boundless in particular, than to distract us from loving each other. That's his modus operandi. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to distract us not just from loving each other, but also from loving the new people that come to us over the next few weeks. So, at this point, it's, it's worth asking another question. Now that we've kind of defined hospitality, let's, let's ask our second question. What, what hinders us then from showing hospitality? Right? What, what are the roadblocks, obstacles? What makes it difficult for us personally, if we're honest, for why we don't welcome new people? Well, what do you think? What hinders us? What's hindered you in the past, David? Okay. Flesh that, flesh that out. That's excellent. What is, what is the fear of man? Afraid of what people will think, what they will say, how they will react. Um, just general shyness. Not wanting to be the people who might say, making excuses like, oh, I'm introverted, I can't say hi to people. <laughs> sure. That's excellent, bro. Yeah, first major category, I think, is fear, right? Fear. Fear is a hindrance to open love. We don't know what to say. 
We don't want to say the wrong thing and look dumb. We're afraid of being awkward with somebody that we don't know. Or, maybe more sinister, we're afraid of being taken advantage of because we have in the past. We fear being rejected. We fear being hurt. Ultimately, hear me here, we're trying to preserve ourselves. That's at the root. Self-preservation. Like you're saying, fear of man, but in the ultimate attempt to preserve ourselves. We're trying to take care of ourselves, and that's not an attitude of faith. It's a form of selfishness, really. We're saying that we're unwilling to warmly welcome people because it might not go well for us. You hear that? We're not thinking of other people at that point, right? We're thinking of ourselves only. And if that's you, and it's been us, and it's been all of us at some point, you've got to work at entrusting whatever happens in that interaction to the Lord. Make sense? So the new person walks in, you're going to interact with them, you're afraid, then you resign that fear to the Lord, you step out in faith and say, I'm going to trust you, Lord, that even if that person stabs me in the back in eight weeks, it's unto you. You will take care of me. It will be okay. Even the simple act of greeting somebody is an act of faith. As you're putting fear to death. Even if you get hurt, he's going to use that for good in your life. As you learn to forgive and you learn to bear with the immaturities of others. Like he does with you, by the way, every day. So, I think fear is something we have to at least identify, right? Like, okay, this is something that stands in the way of me welcoming the guest that comes in. Um, Another one, can you think of anything else? Availability of time, okay? Flesh that out a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. That's excellent. So, yeah, maybe, maybe we could summarize that by just saying something like a lack of preparation or a lack of intentionality, lack of priority, maybe, um, would be an obstacle. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's definitely the case. Sometimes we're just underprepared to welcome people. Um, it can take so many different iterations, right? But probably the most common, we wake up late, we rush out on Sunday or Thursday, Maybe you don't wake. Hopefully, you don't wake up late for balance Thursday night. <laughs> if you do, let's talk. So, if you, if your night shift, you're exempt. Okay. So we wake up late. We rush out. Our hearts are busy. We hit church without any kind of mind renewal, and we're not ready for the opportunities God brings us. Right. Maybe even we've been in sin and we haven't even processed that yet. So we get into the assembly and we're just, just a mess internally. So, you been there? I mean, we all have. So, you get in here 
and people are coming in, they're ready to, ready to meet people and ready to be welcomed, and we're just kind of like gazing at our navel because we, were, we're, we got guilt, got unconfessed sin, we, we're, not, we're trying to tune our instrument while we're playing it, and it doesn't work, right? So a lack of preparation is very important, like Candace was saying. We've got we've to prioritize this, be prepared as we're coming in um, to this ministry of hospitality. Yeah, so some other things I just wrote down just for the sake of time, I'll kind of blow through these, would be uh, factions. Factions would be another obstacle to our welcoming individuals. Drawing tight boundaries around your friends and being unwilling to let anyone new into your life. We're tempted to think things like, these are, just, these are the people that are just like me, they like, they like what I like, my, my sense of humor, yada, yada. You know, I'm only comfortable around these people, and I can't be with anyone else that makes me feel uncomfortable. Maybe we'd never say it quite, quite that honestly, but lots of times that's what's operating. I can't be with anyone else It's not like me in this way. Or, I've got my friends, my friends. Why do I need to reach out to anybody else? I've got my group, right? That's an inward-focused, ultimately selfish perspective, and we've got to be on guard for those kinds of attitudes creeping up in our church and in our group here in Boundless. That's called factions in the Bible. The church in Corinth was filled with them. Paul talks about that a lot in 1 Corinthians. Closely related to factions is another, another hindrance would be then divisions out of that. Closely related to factions or divisions. Obviously, if we're at odds with each other, we're not going to be hospitable to anybody else, right? We'll be too busy fighting or gossiping about each other to have a heart of love for the outsider. And even if we do have a heart of love for the outsider, heart of love in quotes, it's to win them to our side, right? It's going to get them in our, in our group before anybody else does. That's not, that's not the kind of hospitality that Christ has in mind for us. So, how do we get to that point where we're too busy fighting and gossiping? Okay, How does that happen? Well, it happens when we harbor offenses against each other right here, and we don't reconcile biblically. Instead of talking it out, forgiving each other, or even seeking help to reconcile if it's that bad, instead of doing that, you talk about the other person to other people. That's called gossip. And that leads others to assume the worst. And that's how wildfire spreads in a a, a ministry. And a church that's divided like that definitely is not on Christ's mission. Right? We're not going to be ready. In fact, it's an evidence that Satan is at work and has the upper hand in those relationships in a church. So let's be on guard not to let that happen. Let's help each other, not gossip, reconcile biblically, and commit to truly loving each other and moving forward together, arm in arm, toward being hospitable to the new people that come in, right? And so those are just a few. I mean, we could sit here and talk about this all day. All I want you to do is get, start, start thinking about some of the obstacles that are in your heart, your life, to welcoming these new folks. The bottom line is that Satan doesn't want us doing this. So he's going to tempt us constantly to veer off track and being hospitable and having this open love. We need to think carefully about what stands in the way of each of us being hospitable. And so you're sitting here and you're like, whoa, those are some serious obstacles. Man, maybe I've been in some of those or have some of those. How do we overcome those? That leads us to our third question. What's going to motivate us to be hospitable? Okay? 
So if these things are big obstacles, you've got to know what's on the other side of that obstacle to press through it. We need biblical motivations to be hospitable. And here's, how many do we have? Three? Three kind of essential motivations? I threw another number at you. We're on our third question. And we have subpoints. Three of them. Okay? Three subpoints. Three truths in this question that if we know them and really believe them, we really believe it, what the Bible said. We talk about the Bible being inerrant, inspired, and all those things, and it is. But if you're not believing it, it doesn't matter what you say it is. You really don't believe that it's inspired. So, Let's believe these truths, and it will motivate us to become welcoming to other people. Truth number one. You ready? When we welcome outsiders, we're really welcoming Christ. We are really welcoming Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. We're dropping right in here to (laughs) a number of themes in the words of Jesus. Matthew 25, let's look in verse 31. See if you can pick out what what I was just describing here about welcoming Christ. Matthew 25, verse 31. He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. It's the return of Christ. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a, what does it say? Stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. (laughs) Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Here Jesus says that those who inherit the kingdom will be those who truly cared for Christ. His sheep, in other words, show their devotion to the Lord as they feed his followers, as they welcome his followers, as they visit his followers in sickness and in prison. This is beautiful, and it's astounding. Imagine that in two weeks, or a week, Christ was coming in person through those back doors to Boundless. I'm not talking about, like, Christ, he dwells in us through his spirit. He does. He's with us now, currently. Yes, he is. I'm talking about in body, right? Christ walks through the door for worship. Would you greet him? Would you welcome him? 
Would you try to have him over for lunch? (laughs) Would you make sure he's taken care of? Well, according to Jesus, in one sense, he is coming through those doors next week. In the form of strangers. People we don't know. In the form of disciples that you and I are unfamiliar with. College freshmen, transfers, other situations. How we treat them will prove whether or not we love Christ. That's what this says. Jesus goes on to say in this passage that if his professing followers don't care for his disciples, they will go away into eternal punishment. They will prove they never knew or trusted the king. That is sobering and yet so helpful. A lot is at stake, but it is also a beautiful chance to demonstrate your love for the Savior, your love for Christ. But where does this love for Christ come from? How can we love Christ so much that we move toward those who are different from us or new to us, even those who offend us and irritate us? How how does the love of Christ motivate us to welcome and include them? Well, the second truth helps us with with the answer. Truth number two. Christ has welcomed us freely. Christ has welcomed us and he's provided a pattern for us to imitate. He's welcomed you when you were unwelcomable. And he provides a pattern for us to imitate. Flip over in Romans, Romans 15. Man, I'm used to these like hour-long times in Boundless Thursdays. We don't have an hour right now, so we've got to move quick. Christ has welcomed us. And he intends us to welcome others out of that pattern. So we imitate him. Look in Romans 15, verse 7. Again, just cherry-picking here. Well, let's, let's go back up to verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Ian, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you For the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Did you catch that? We are to welcome one another, but why? Verse 7, as Christ has welcomed us. So you can think of it like this. Christ has opened the door for us through his death and resurrection... And he welcomed us into his kingdom free of charge. 
He canceled all our debts. He assimilated us when we were terrorists against his kingdom previously, forgave it, and then made us sons. And he calls us to then welcome and assimilate others into this same glorious kingdom. We can be truly concerned for others because we've been fully taken care of by Christ. Fully. Even if somebody slanders you and walks out of here and stabs you in the back with 40 knives, he's got you. He's freed us completely. He's taken care of us and he's pledged to take care of us. His name is on that pledge. We don't have to be worried about ourselves or preoccupied with ourselves. We don't have to be anymore. That's all we knew as unbelievers. We are free to love. We are free to welcome. We are free to get to know people. We are free to listen. Why? Because all of our needs have been met in Christ. All of them. If you don't know about that, let's talk. So what is his welcoming? How how does he welcome us? Okay, Okay, think about this. If he's a pattern, we need to know how he's welcomed us, right? So that we can imitate that, mimic him and how we welcome other people. So, let me just sub-sub-point. You ready? Number one, hospitality is not contingent on the worthiness of the person. Got it? Christ welcomed us as unworthy sinners who deserve judgment. Dead. That was our, that was our description. We were dead. Yet, he forgives and cleanses and brings us to God. So we should love and welcome all of Christ's disciples. We, we, we should love them and seek to do them good at our own expense like Christ did for us. We don't wait on them to become like us or to have things in common with us or to be more mature or less irritating. You, you see where I'm going? We don't wait on that because Christ didn't wait on that. We welcome people where they're at And we have an obligation, he says here in verse 1, to bear with their weaknesses and differences and to please them for their good. So, that was sub-sub point one. Here's sub-sub point two. Ready? Hospitality is not easy. It's often going to cost us something. Think about mimicking Christ here. Hospitality isn't easy, and it's often going to cost us something. It surely was not easy for Christ to take our reproaches against God. And it definitely cost him his life to welcome you. So when we welcome and assimilate others into our lives, it can and will get messy. It will require things from us, and God intends it to. It will challenge our comforts. Going up to a new person, introducing yourself, including them in your friend group or giving them rides, may be uncomfortable for you. You may get stuck with somebody you don't like. But it isn't always supposed to be easy. And that's helpful to know. That's motivating. Sacrifice is good for us. Why? Because, sub-sub point number three, our sacrifices will bear much fruit. Similar to Christ, our sacrifices will bear much fruit. Did his sacrifice bear fruit? Oh, yeah. When we lay our lives down to be hospitable, the Lord will bless that. 
just like he blessed the death of Christ. He'll produce the fruit of love in your heart, but he'll also produce tremendous fruit in the lives of those that you are being hospitable to. Tremendous fruit. So, those are some ways we imitate Jesus as we love, which was kind of back to that second truth there, that Christ has welcomed us, he's provided a pattern for us to imitate. But there's a third truth, we'll cover this quick, that's continuing to motivate us to overcome those obstacles. And the third truth is this, Christ has commanded us to pursue it intentionally. So this isn't something that Christ has stuttered about. He's commanded us to pursue this ministry intentionally. Flip back a few pages to Romans 12. Verse 9, Romans 12, 9, and following, he says, Let love be genuine. That's the reigning idea of the passage. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, holding fast to what is good, loving one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. So, the reason I pointed that out about love is because the love is the main clause. And then everything else, all the other clauses in those verses, all the way up to verse 13, are, ready for it, participles. So what? That means they are modifying that idea of love. So hospitality, then, is an outflow of love. It's a, it's a manifestation of love. That's the point. It's one of the manifestations of love among many things. But notice what I want to draw your attention to here beyond just that is to seek, how it says seek to show hospitality. So seek has the idea of intentionality, pursuit. Um, in some cases, this word's even in, used in context of persecution, like the zeal of, of persecution. Zealous pursuit is the idea. Chasing after something, Paul says that we're to sprint after showing hospitality. It's intentional. It's a sprint. You've trained and you're focused on the goal, kind of like we were saying earlier. You've got to kind of, kind of be targeted. That's why I'm spending a whole message on this. This is part of our application of seeking to show hospitality. So it means we're focused on the goal. And, and Paul tells us to pursue this intentionally. Why? Because it, it's going to be challenging. If you read other, other texts in the Bible, talk, hospitality is kind of, you can see there's an encouragement to do it. Um, you know, don't grumble as you do it. You know, there's kind of some like realism in the New Testament. There's a lot of that of just like, hey, this is hard. This is challenging. But, but it's got to be intentional for us. And so what's involved in that? Well, it involves forethought. It involves planning. It involves establishing some tangible goals. It involves actually getting after it to fulfill those goals. We're happy to, to kind of share some ways that we do that um, if you want to come and chat with us later. But that leads us to our fourth question, and we're going we're gonna to land here. What are some practical ways that we can be hospitable? So fourth, fourth major question. What are some practical ways that we can be hospitable um, right here next week? Well, I would kind of, you, you heard that we have a meet and greet after the service next week, and then we're having a boundless, kind of corporate boundless lunch. There'll be a hundred and some of us. It's okay. 
but we're doing it here at the church. Those are, intention, those are intentional. The reason we're doing that is so that we can meet folks, welcome folks, talk to folks, get to know folks. So just put those in your, like, attach that to everything we've said to, to this morning, right? Like, that is the outflow of, of these convictions. It's not the only thing. But how do you, how do you kind of maximize boundless time when people are flying in here, the main service, because people don't know about boundless, and they just come to 1030, and they're flying in there? And then how do you maximize those times? Well, I would just say, very practically, just identify one new face when they come. Just one new person. Make that your goal. If you're introverted, you know, one new person. Go up to them and introduce yourself. That's an act of faith. Ask about them. Have some questions that you know, kind of like if you're spooked out by that, find somebody that does it well and say, like, hey, what do you typically ask people in conversation? And just write it down. It's okay. Get prepped, right? We're not all the same. Some people that's easy for, other people's is not. So we, we've got to, we've got to play to our strengths and, and shore up our weaknesses, okay? Ask about them. Be genuinely interested in them. Think about introducing them to other people that you know, helping them broaden their network in the church. Invite them to sit with you. Ask them uh, if you can sit with them. Introduce them to me or, or tell them about the meet and greet after church or introduce, invite them to lunch. Tell them about Boundless Thursdays. There's so many things, you know, that you can do just as you, just, just, but, but if I can leave you with one thing, just like go up to them and say hi. Tell them your name. Ask them why they came. Tell, find, find out about their background. So during Boundless, during the main service, same kind of things apply there. Um, but we're all around it. But, but think about not just introducing them to me, but think about introducing them to like the other pastors on the pastoral staff. We're one church. It's not Boundless is not like a mini church. We are, we are one church, lots of elders. Rich is an elder now, by the way. You guys just got here. Didn't know about that. Just installed him. So introduce them to our, our pastoral team, our elder, our elder team. Um. During the lunch that we have, so even thinking on out ahead, two weeks from now, like use that. Like don't just use it as a time to kind of go fraternize with your friends. Like that's good. You're going to have plenty of time for that. But use this as a unique opportunity to connect with new people. Help them find seats. Uh, make introductions. Get them refills on their drinks. Go take their trash. Genuinely listen to them. Get to know them. You know, all, all those kinds of things. i got a list of questions for you if you want them. Okay? Just do it. All right, like that it, as, a, as an outflow of faith in Christ. And then outside of Sunday morning, you know, I, any other time in the week, if you've got a car, I'd be willing to give rides, Sundays, Thursdays. If you live with your family, invite them over for lunch with your family on a Sunday afternoon or any other time. They'll always eat, right? Creatively use your dorm or your apartment as a place they can come and spend time with you and find answers to questions that they have. Involve them in things that you do during the week, in your meal times, at the, whatever it's called now. The Rock, still called that, okay? At the, the dining hall and other places. Invite him into your study times if you share classes with any of them. Just, you, you get the point. Like, all these are just applications. I'm not, I can't sit here and just say, you got to do this, because it's, it's so many different applications of the principles here that we're talking about. So, let's finish. That's a little crash course on biblical hospitality. So much more we could say. So many more passages we could look at. Um, but, like I said earlier, you guys do this really, really well. So, don't hear me hammering you. 
If you are hammered, receive the conviction, all right? And then, like, let's apply it and move forward together. That's okay. I just want us to stay focused right now, especially over these next few weeks when a lot of folks are visiting. We cannot control who stays or goes, and that is not my end game. I don't care how many people we have. My job is to shepherd the people that God brings to us. Our job is to invest in those souls that God brings to us, whether it's in conversion or sanctification. So we want to spend and be spent for the souls of others, and our our goal is to be faithful to Christ in loving them and being truthful with them while they are here. So let's entrust them to Him, and let's entrust Him, let's, let's, let's trust Him for all the growth. Let's pray. Father, we do bow. We thank you for the tremendous opportunity that, that souls are before us. And we pray that you help us be creative in how we welcome. And we pray that as we lay our lives down, that you teach us many things about yourself, about what you've invited us into, this fellowship we have with you. And we pray that you would produce much fruit in our church as a result of one shy person saying hi to another person that comes in next week. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.